22 to start out this morning. Luke 22. Luke 22. It's kind of a unique year out here at church when it comes to the Christmas messages, because normally we do about one Christmas message a year. We usually do it the Sunday of the Christmas program, which is usually the Sunday uh, before Christmas. But with the way the Christmas program happened this year and with the way everything was going on, we finished up our study in Acts, and now we've had three weeks of Christmas messages. We've never done this before. And as we were talking about these Christmas messages, we said we're going to look at them from a different angle this year. And so we go back to our first lesson a couple weeks ago. We went back to the first verse in the Bible, first prophecy in the Bible that dealt with Christmas. And it's way back in Genesis 3, that verse about how sin came into the world and Jesus had to take care of the sin for us. That's what Christmas is about. And that's the point that we've been trying to mention here as of late, is the real meaning of Christmas is that there was a mess that was created through sin And that mess had to be cleaned up, and that's what we're celebrating Christmas. Christmas is really a celebration of God's love for us to come pick up the pieces of the mess that we created. So that's what we talked about the first week. Last week we went into the very famous verse in Isaiah 9 where it says, For unto us a son is given, for unto us a child is born. And we talked about the personal nature of that, about how Christmas is about how Jesus came for you. To take that burden off of you, that burden that we carry. And so often when we look at the burdens of life, we look at the finances, we look at health, we look at relationships. And really the burden that is our biggest burden is that burden of sin. And Christmas is the picture of Jesus taking that burden off of us. Well, for our last teaching here, we're going to finally get into the Christmas story a little bit. But we're going to start out in Luke 22. And Luke 22 is Passover. Now Passover doesn't sound like a real good Christmas passage. But bear with me here. Luke 22, verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, that doesn't sound like a real Christmas verse. That's the verse that we use around communion time. This is the verse that we would use around Easter. But Christmas is right in here. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 has everything you need to know. Verse 19 has this idea of Jesus for us. It has his birth. It has his death. It has his resurrection. It has everything in verse 19. And he, meaning Jesus, took bread. Bread is a picture of his body. Gave thanks. Thanks to be the sacrifice of sins. Broke it. Broke it as a picture of his death on the cross. His body broken for us. Gave it to them. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That phrase there, given, is a really interesting word. That word literally means to give, as in like a gift. See, this is where sometimes the Greek language of the Bible is superior to our English language. Because our English language, this word for give can carry so many different connotations. I can give you a gift, or I can give you a black eye. You know, it's really not the best word. This word for given, it's actually carrying this idea that his body, his death, was a gift. Now think about that for a second. That's what we're here to celebrate, that Christ was willing to give up his body for us. Now, when you think about Christmas, probably the biggest thing you think of is this idea of gifts. And it's not that we're trying to be secular, but this is just what is thrown at us constantly. Every commercial on television deals with gifts, what to get somebody, what to buy them. 
we have this idea of getting a list for somebody. And you check the list, you buy things, you go out, you have a bunch. Everything is about gifts. Everything is about shopping. And that's the focus of what the world has made Christmas. Well, if you want to go back to the first gift, the first gift is Jesus saying, I'm actually going to give you me. You know, when a lot of times when we go through the idea of Christmas with the kids, we ask them, why do we give gifts? What's the point of this? They generally bring up the three wise men and about how they brought the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they said, well, that doesn't really work because those gifts were given to Jesus. The reason we give gifts, this is the point that we try to tell them, is that God gave us the best gift he could in Jesus. And so therefore, as your parents, we want to be an example of that. And as we give you gifts, we're trying to show you our love through those gifts, just like God showed his love through Christ. This is what Jesus is saying in verse 19. This is my gift to you, is me. And then he says, do this in remembrance to me. That phrase remembrance is a really interesting word again. Because when we think of remembrance, we usually think of in memory of, someone who passed away, someone who died. That word literally means to call them to mind. That's what it means. It literally means to call them to mind, to just remember who they are. Not that they've died and gone away, but to remember what they've done for you. So what Jesus is saying in verse 19 is he's trying to tell them, remember this. Remember, always keep this in your mind, that I gave you as a gift myself, my body for your sins. Boy, that's Christmas. That's what we're here to celebrate. Once again, we like the idea of Christmas, the lights, the presents, the trees, the baby in the manger, the glow of the Christmas. We love that. But really, Christmas is about sin that had to be dealt with, and Jesus came down in the form of a man to take care of that sin. That's the purpose. That's the point of it. And what you see here in communion is really a picture of Christmas. Let me give you this gift of my body for your sins. Now, it doesn't really look like quite the Christmas gift, but that's what it is. As Christians, we're called to be willing to remember that Jesus came to die for us. And he came as this baby. Flip, if you will, with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, please. Isaiah 53. Now, this kind of comes back to this point that we've said many times over these last couple weeks. We have a tendency sometimes as Christians to separate holidays. We have Christ in the manger. We have the wise men. We have the shepherds coming. And then we kind of leave them in the manger. We forget about them for a while. And then we come back to Easter. And then we have them at Easter on the cross. And really what we've been talking about these last few weeks is this idea of Easter, Good Friday, Christmas... It's all one big picture to God. We separate it. But really, it's all about this one big picture. We don't like to think about death and the cross and sin and blood and shame at Christmas time. This is the fun holiday. No. To fully understand Christmas, you have to understand the sin. You have to understand it. Just like when we normally take communion. Communion becomes this very serious, this very somber event in some ways. When Jesus is saying about communion, he goes, remember what it means. It means that I gave you a gift. He goes, let this be in your mind. And in fact, a few verses before it, what did he say? He goes, I love communion so much. He goes, I'm not going to do it again until I can do it with you. I remember a pastor one time saying communion is supposed to be a celebration. But most churches don't want to celebrate communion. But it is. It's the time where we stop and celebrate the gift that was given to us to take care of our sins. And that's what Christmas, Easter, Good Friday are really all combined into one thing. So, Isaiah 53 kind of shows us this. Because Isaiah 53 is the chapter that you go to. If you're going to teach a message about Good Friday, about Jesus dying on the cross, 
it is almost required by law that you have to teach out of Isaiah 53. Because Isaiah 53 is all about him on the cross. Look at verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And go down to verse 7. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before its shearers is silent. Jump ahead to verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. You make his soul an offering for sin. See, that's, that's Good Friday right there. See, this is how, if you ever want to realize, this is how you're supposed to teach as a pastor. When you do Christmas, you go to Luke 2. Or you go to Matthew 2. So that's where you go. Good Friday, you have to go to Isaiah 53. And then when you teach the resurrection, you can pick any of the gospel accounts. Plus, you can go to 1 Corinthians 15. It's required. Those are the verses you have to do. But really, when you look at what God is trying to look at here, he sees it as one big event. Christmas, Easter, Good Friday, sin, death. It's all one thing to him because it all connects together. So we look at verses 4 through 12 and we see death and sin. But Isaiah 53 has Christmas in it as well. Go back to verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Verse 2, that's Christmas. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. That is symbolizing Jesus being born as a baby. As a tender plant, that word literally means sapling. It's this little tiny plant that needs to be taken care of, to be watched out for, to be watered. It can't self-sustain itself. That's Christ. I mean, did you ever think about how crazy the Christmas message is? I mean, this is how God decided to fix sin. Okay, 6,000 years ago, sin came into the world. Adam and Eve sinned. We talked about that, Genesis 3.15. We created this mess. We can't fix this mess. God has to fix it for us. So this is God's great plan. He's going to wait 4,000 years. Then his great plan is he's going to pick this girl. And she's probably a teenager, probably very young, maybe 15 years old. And says, hey, you're going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Okay? Now she's engaged, betrothed to be married. So he has to go to her betrothed and say, listen, she's pregnant. Don't worry. It's God's child. So you get to be stepdad to God. And then, by the way, you have to go to Bethlehem, which is this really podunk town that no one cares about, but you've got to go to Bethlehem. And then when you get to Bethlehem, you're going to have a baby, and you have to have a baby in this stable, in this manger. And, well, by the way, as soon as you have this baby, all of a sudden these scruffy, ugly shepherds are going to show up, and they're going to breathe on your child. You know, you remember that as parents, when you had your first child, how you want to protect them from everything? I remember when we had our first child, Dawn put signs on the hospital door requiring everybody to wash or sanitize their hands before they came in the room. On the hospital door, she had signs. So now the shepherds are going all over your baby. And then all of a sudden, Joseph, who's still trying to figure this out, has a dream saying, hey, run to Egypt. So you go to Egypt. Joseph says, hey, come back. And then during this time, sometime, there's these guys from the east, and they show up at your door with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah, this is why the Bible says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Shh, that's a lot to think about. So that's how God decided to fix sin. Now think about that. Wouldn't it make more sense for just God to show up as a 30-year-old man? I mean, that's when Jesus began his public ministry. It was 30. I... I I kind of believe that when God created Adam, he didn't create Adam as a baby. I think he created Adam as a grown man. So God can do that. 
No, he decided to do Isaiah 53, verse 2. Grow up before him as a tender plant. Think about that, parents. Think about when your child was a baby and your life just revolved around them. You took every video, every picture you can of them, and it just that's what it was. It was just this baby, and that's what your focus was. That's what your life was about, was that child and everything that kind of goes along with it. You know, I think back to Dawn and all the pictures we've taken of the kids. And I think back to all the videos. We have hours of footage of them just laying there on the floor. I finally told Dawn after about the third or fourth boy that she's not allowed to videotape them as a baby. Because if you watch her home videos, there I'm not kidding. There's like seven-minute steady shots of a baby that can't move just laying there. It's the most boring thing you've ever seen in your life. Dawn will watch and say, oh, isn't that cute? No, it's not cute. Don't. It's, let them do something exciting or something like that. But, you know, that's the thing. As a parent, that's the most important thing is that idea of a child. I was telling the 830 service about how me growing up, this idea of a tender plant and that, you're, you know, you kind of focus around that, that the parents cared about that. I, I said at the 830 service, I said I never had that growing up. Because I was the youngest, as you guys know, I have two older sisters, and as two older sisters, there's one span of the year, right, we'll be like 37, 38, 39. So my mom, you know, we had three kids under three, and I remember distinctly what this is, and my mom is here today, yep, to the left over there. You can ask her, and if she says I'm lying, she's lying, because I remember verbatim the conversation. It was in 1997. 1997. I went up to mom and we were talking about me being born, etc. So I was 20 years old and I remember saying something about me being born. I remember her looking at me. She goes, you got to remember, Jamie, you weren't wanted. That's what she said. You weren't wanted. Those were her words. I said, weren't wanted. She goes, Jamie. She goes, you really think that I wanted three in diapers? That's what she said. So you guys are afraid to laugh because she's there. The 830 service thought it was funny. So, and so then it really kind of hit me. It's like, okay, yeah, I guess I kind of see that. There's 13 months between my sister and I. I understand what she's saying. But the story goes one step further. There was something years ago where we had to find a baby picture. And so you have to find a, when you're a baby and you put that picture up. And then you have to guess who the person was with the baby or something like that. So we were going through and they found the picture of Janelle. They found the picture of JC. They could not find a baby picture of me. And as far as I know, and you can ask my mom again, I think the earliest picture they have of me is probably about 14, 15 months. It, it took that long for them to accept the fact that I was there and I was staying and there's nothing they can do about this. So I look at this tender plant. I can't relate because I wasn't a tender plant. I was the weed that they sprayed with Roundup and I just kept growing. But Mary had this mindset of this tender plant. I mean, she got to raise God. That's a lot. So, this tender plant of this baby born is so vital. Now, this is what we normally focus on with Christmas. We normally focus on this idea of Jesus coming down and being one of us. And I think that's a very vital point. But like we've talked about the last two weeks, you have to understand why he came. And why did he come? Because we sinned. And we had a mess that we couldn't clean up. We had this sin problem that had to be dealt with. So Jesus had to come down and take care of it. So yes, Christmas is baby, born, manger, cute. Yeah, because of ugly, disgusting sin. 
And that's why Christ came down. Turn with me, if you will, quick to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. Luke 2, as you're going to Hebrews 2, is a great Christmas story chapter. And I encourage you, if you're looking for a family tradition to start, or maybe you already do this, read some of Luke 2 Christmas morning or whenever you guys do your Christmas. It's a great idea to really set that scene as you're going to Hebrews 2. But Luke 2 ends with this verse. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This idea of Jesus grew up on this earth. Once again, as we mentioned earlier in the message, why didn't God just create Jesus as the 30-year-old man ready? There's something about him growing up on this earth, on this planet, that was important. Hebrews gives us the background to this. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Hebrews 2, verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation, fancy word, for appeasement for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. The reason Jesus spent 33 years on this earth is that way he could relate to us. I mean, how simple of a point is that? He had to become like us to be able to relate to us. So therefore, in verse 17, he is merciful and faithful. Think about this. When you're experiencing physical pain, and you're trying to explain that to someone, you know how difficult that is to explain to somebody? This is what hurts. This is my pain scale number, you know? It's difficult. Jesus gets it. He experienced physical pain. Maybe you've been heartbroken by something. You're, you're suffering an emotional hurt and pain by a loved one that has hurt you so bad you never expected it. You didn't see it coming. And you try to go tell your friend this is what it feels like. They get it, but they don't get it. Jesus understands emotional hurt and pain. He was forsaken by people. What about spiritual agony? Where it's like, Lord, where are you? Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Christ suffered emotionally. He suffered spiritually. He suffered physically. So therefore, when I come to him, he gets it. He understands. Why did he spend 33 years on this earth? So that way he understands what it likes to be us. Stay in Hebrews. Go to Hebrews 4, please. Hebrews 4. One more passage on this. Verse 14 of Hebrews 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He can sympathize with us. Have you ever looked for sympathy and didn't get it? I had a situation this week at home where I was looking for sympathy. I went to Dawn and told her something. I didn't get sympathy. I got a rational response. And I told her, I said, I'm looking for a little bit of sympathy here. Dawn's uh, quote, and I quote exactly, she goes, if you're looking for sympathy, go talk to somebody else. That was Dawn's response. Sometimes you don't get the sympathy you're looking for. You ever had that? You go up to that friend, you go up to that spouse, you go up to that relative, you go up to your pastor, and you lay open your heart, and you're expecting this sympathetic response. You don't get it. You walk away hurt. You walk away frustrated. You walk away feeling let down. I tell you right now, human beings are going to let you down. When you're suffering physically, emotionally, or spiritually, and you start turning to a person to get you through, you're inevitably going to be hurt. Jesus did not come down and die on the cross to keep himself separate from us. He came down to be one of us, to be able to, as exactly as this passage says, sympathize with our weaknesses. 
He understands physical pain. He understands emotional hurt. He understands spiritual anguish. He understands. So with that being said, now we get verse 16 of Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's your Christmas verse right there. Jesus came down so that way we can have grace, we can have mercy, and we can have help in time of need. That's why he came down. He came down to be a part of us, to sympathize with us, to be tempted and tested as we are, and therefore now we have a high priest that we can relate to. He had to be born in the humblest of all beginnings as a tender plant, as Isaiah 53 says, to be able to fully relate. He can relate to tough starts. He can relate to tough beginnings. He knows that. And that's what's so important about this. So when it comes to Christmas, still still keep the manger. Still keep the baby in the manger, the lights. Keep all that. That's a beautiful aspect of Christmas. But there's another aspect of Christmas. It's sin that has to be dealt with. It's sin that has to be punished and taken care of. It's the blood that has to be shed. That's why we want to finish with communion today. Because as we finish with communion... It brings all of it together. Communion is that time for us to go back to our first points. This my body given to you as a gift. Do this in remembrance of me. Not in memory of, because Christ is still alive, but to bring to mind the real reason why you're celebrating it. we got just a few days left here. And it's going to be crazy for most of you. If it's not already crazy now, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's going to be busy. You know that. And it's so easy during that time to get focused on meals and gifts and relationships with family and work. And I got to get, no, it's all about Christ being the tender plant that came down and says, you can come to me boldly, boldly and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what Christmas is about. So what we want to close with is this. We want to close with this understanding of why we're doing the communion. We're doing communion to remind us, once again, not in memory of, because Jesus is still alive, but to remind us the real reason we're here to celebrate. The gift that was given to us to take care of sins. And that is the reason to celebrate. What we're going to do here to close is, once again, we're going to close with communion. And uh, Richard's going to lead you in communion. I'm going to be in the back, back there.